Welcome to this time of worship at First United Methodist Church in Pasadena, California. I'm Sandra Olwine and I serve as pastor here and on behalf of our staff and entire congregation, we're so glad that you have joined us for worship this day. In this season of Lent, we turn again and again to God's forgiving, merciful grace so that we might be renewed in our walk of faith, find purpose for our life, and serve God by loving our neighbors in God's name. In anticipation that the Spirit will meet us here in this time, let us turn our hearts then to praise and prayer. Today in worship, we'll be reminded that again and again, we're called to listen. This is part of our invitation as people of faith, to not only speak, to pray and sing, but to listen. And I'll be the first to say listening is hard. From our toddler years on up, we struggle to listen, particularly when we don't know what we're listening for or don't agree with what we're hearing. So just for a moment, as we gather ourselves for worship, I want to invite you to join me in a kinesthetic call to worship by embodying our prayer as, a, as I prompt you. So let us listen, let us pray. Family of Faith, I invite you to close your eyes. Rest your feet on the floor beneath you and release any tension you are holding in your jaw, your neck, your shoulders, your hands, your legs, your feet. Take a deep breath in and slowly let it out. The Hebrew word for breath, ruach, 
is the same word for spirit. So as you breathe, imagine that it is God who's filling up your lungs with energy and love. Trust that God is as close as your very breath. Now I invite you to still your mind. Imagine your mind as a river. Thoughts will drift into view. They always do. However, instead of holding on to those thoughts, allow yourself to let them float by. And listen. Listen deep. Listen far. Listen wide. Listen. The sound of your breath is the sound of the divine. This is a holy space. Let us worship God. we fail to trust God, we discover that we do lead barren lives. Let us be honest as we stand before our God and bring our confessions as we long for forgiveness and hope. Listening, God, take what is closed in us and open it. Take what is distracted in us and settle it. Take what is hurting in us and hold it. Take any and all parts of us that create distance from you. For we are like Peter, O oh God. We argue what we do not know. We fear what we cannot see. And we almost always speak sooner than we listen. So open us, settle us, hold us, and forgive us. We long to hear you more clearly. 
we long to know you more fully. With hope we pray, and with gratitude we confess. Amen. Siblings in Christ, we confess with gratitude because we know that God already has heard and forgiven us, no matter what we have done or left undone. We are held in God's hand. So rest in this good news. God invites us in. God meets us where we are. God hears our prayers. God forgives us. Thanks be to God for a love like that. young Christians. Today is the second Sunday of the season of Lent. Last week we had a Lenten challenge to choose one thing that you do again and again, like brushing your teeth or washing your hands or going to bed, and every time you did that thing to spend time talking to God. Did you try it? If not, that's okay. These practices and challenges for Lent are just ideas things to try to see if they can help us connect with God. There'll be a new challenge that you can try this week. Today, we're talking about listening. Again and again, God calls us to listen. Are you a good listener? I bet you are. But sometimes listening can be hard. Do you ever have a hard time listening, maybe to your parents or to your teachers? If you do, you have a lot in common with Jesus' disciples. Do you remember the story that we talked about a few weeks ago when Jesus and his disciples went hiking up a mountain? And when they got to the top, do you remember what happened? All of a sudden, Jesus was shining, glowing. It was so amazing. And then, do you remember what they heard God say? God said, this is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. I think that God wanted to tell the disciples to listen because they had been having a pretty hard time listening up to that point. It was very important that they learned to listen to Jesus. And that's pretty important for us too. So we're gonna do some listening practice today. Have you ever played the game Simon Says? All right, we're gonna try it. I'm gonna tell you to do something, but you should only do it if I say Simon Says first. Are you ready? Okay, let's try it. Simon Says, stand up. Simon Says, turn around in a circle. Simon Says, reach up high. Now touch your toes. Oops, Simon didn't say to touch your toes. That's okay, let's try again. Simon says, touch your toes. Simon says, touch your nose. Simon says, stretch your arms out really wide. Put them back down. Oops. Simon didn't say put them back down. Simon says, reach your arms up high, high to the sky. And Simon says, 
drop your arms and let them rest. Now run in place. Oops, Simon didn't say to run in place. <laughs> Listening can be hard, can't it? Simon says it's just a fun game we can play, but listening is very important. Listening to your parents, listening to your teachers, even listening to your friends. And it's also very important for us as Christians to listen to Jesus. Now, how can we listen to Jesus when Jesus isn't right here talking to us in a human person form? Well, we have something very special and very important to help us. We have the Bible. And in the Bible, there's a very special part in the New Testament that we call the Gospels. The Gospels begin with the book of Matthew, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the four Gospels, and each one tells the story of Jesus. And each one includes things that Jesus said. Isn't that amazing? So, your Lenten challenge for this week is to spend some time reading your Bible, specifically the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and see if you can find something that Jesus said. I would love for you to find something that Jesus said that you think we all need to hear today and send it to me. You can either write it down or you can take a video of yourself saying it and I'll share it with everyone in the children's sermon next week, okay? Let's spend this week listening to Jesus. Let's pray. Dear God, Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for the Gospels where we can read Jesus' story. Help us to listen to Jesus and to follow what he says. Amen. Listen to the song of the psalmist from Psalm 22, verses 22 through 31. And when from death I'm free, I'll sing on, I'll sing on. And when from death I'm free, I'll sing on. I will tell of your name to my brothers and sisters. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. Stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. And when from death I'm free, I'll sing on, I'll sing on. And when from death I'm free, for he did not despise or abhor the affliction of the afflicted. He did not hide his face from me, but heard when I cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will pay before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before him. And when from death I'm free, I'll sing on, I'll sing on. And when from death I'm free, I'll sing on. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and God rules over the nations. To the Lord indeed shall all who sleep in the earth bow down. Before God shall bow all who go down to the dust, and I shall live for him. Posterity will serve him, future generations will be told about the Lord, 
and proclaim his deliverance to a people yet unborn, saying that he has done it. And when from death I'm free, I'll see on, I'll see on. And when from death I'm free, I'll see on. The Gospel lesson for the second Sunday of Lent comes from Mark, chapter 8, verse 31 through chapter 9, verse 8. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and for those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And he said to them, Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God has come with power. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There's a story that goes something like this. A couple needed a few items from the grocery store. One of them said to the other, can you pick up a loaf of bread at the store? And if they have eggs, get six. So the partner went to the store and putting the bags on the counter after returning home, unpacked six loaves of bread. Why in the world did you get six loaves of bread? The other asked. They had eggs? Did you have to think about it? What did you hear? Were you listening? Get a loaf of bread? If there are eggs, get six? Communication isn't always easy. Speaking clearly and listening deeply can both be challenging. Even if we believe we are clearly communicating and carefully listening, misunderstandings, even deep conflicts can emerge. Feelings get hurt and relationships snap. Friends, colleagues, spouses, family members, all of us have moments when we haven't felt heard. And all of us have had to acknowledge at some point that we didn't communicate clearly. And there are times when communication is clear and people are listening and misunderstandings still occur. 
And that's with people we love or like. When it's with strangers or people we dislike, the recipe for disaster is near at hand. While speaking clearly is important, it turns out that listening may be the more critical part of the exchange. Now, one study reported that adults spend on average 70% of their waking hours communicating in one form or another. Of that time, 9% is spent writing, 16% reading, 30% speaking, and 45% listening. Learning to listen effectively then is important to our human interactions and the type of community that we wanna be. And listening is more than hearing. There's an apocryphal story about President Franklin D. Roosevelt who endured these long receiving lines at the White House receptions and was tired of small talk and silly comments. And he was convinced that guests paid very little attention to what he was actually saying. So one day he decided to try a little experiment. As each guest arrived and shook the president's hand, he smiled politely and said, I murdered my grandmother this morning. Well, as Roosevelt anticipated, the guests, re guests responded with such comments as, marvelous, keep up the good work. We're proud of you. God bless you, sir. It was not until the end of the line, while greeting the ambassador from Bolivia, that his guests actually listened to what Roosevelt was saying. The ambassador leaned over and whispered, I'm sure she deserved it, sir. Yes, listening is more than hearing. What makes listening so challenging? Well, for one thing, the human brain is capable of processing words at a much higher speed than a person is able to speak. The average rate of speech for an American is about 125 words per minute. The human brain can process about 800 words per minute. So while a speaker's words enter our brain at slow speed, we continue to think at high speed. So we have plenty of time to absorb the words we hear and still think of other things at the same time. Well, at first we can absorb everything the other person is saying despite our private mental sidetracks. But unless we make a conscious effort to continue to listen, our private sidetracks tend to take over. And before we know it, we've missed some or all of what is being said because we were absorbed in our own thoughts. Have you ever had one of those moments, you know, when someone speaking has suddenly stopped and asked for your response to that something they have said and you realize that you are hearing them but not listening? It can be so embarrassing because you have to either stumble over a confused response and attempting to cover up a lack of attention or finally having to admit and say, I'm sorry, I wasn't listening. Could you repeat the question? Yes, curtailing those side thoughts requires energy, discipline, concentration, and motivation. And our motivation often is determined by our attitude toward the speaker and their message, by how much we care about them both. The physiological fact that our minds are capable of absorbing words at a much higher speed than others can speak is what it is. However, if we care enough about the information that the speaker is conveying, or if as a person they are important enough to us, we can make the mental and emotional effort necessary to keep our minds clear of extraneous thoughts and really listen. With such an understanding, listening then actually becomes a spiritual discipline. Do I value the person who is speaking enough to give them my full attention, to stay focused on what they are saying seeking to understand what they want to convey. You know, maybe that's behind God's direction to the disciples on the mountaintop in today's gospel lesson. This is my beloved, listen to him. Don't just hear him, listen. Value him enough to stay focused on what he is saying. Give him your full attention because what he says matters. What he says can, will change your life. What he says can, will change the world. Now, we heard the latter portion of this gospel lesson just two weeks ago on Transfiguration Sunday. But hearing it today in connection with the story just before it, 
gives us some context and direction to understand God's imperative for disciples to listen to Jesus. So in this season of Lent, what is it we are to listen to? Well, remember, Jesus had asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? He wanted to know what they had been hearing. And the disciples offered up John the Baptist, Elijah, one of the prophets. And then Jesus asked, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answers for them all when he says, well, you are the Christ, the Messiah. It's an amazing moment in the story, but Mark, being Mark, hurries on past. And Jesus affirms that he was listening to Peter, for he then shares what such a declaration, being Messiah, actually means. The Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed. And then Jesus goes on to talk about being raised after three days. It appears that Peter was listening, at least until Jesus got to the part about his being killed. Because Peter is so upset, he grabs Jesus, taking him aside for a, a little private conversation. We can almost imagine that Peter's brain is screaming, No, wait, what, what did you say? That's not the way the story goes. That's not the formula for a Messiah. We've got to change that. Listening is really hard when we don't like what we're hearing. The text actually says Peter rebuked Jesus. That's a really strong word. But then Jesus rebukes Peter right back saying, get behind me, Satan. Well, that had to put Peter back a few steps. Satan, me, no, wait, no, I'm the one who just proclaimed you the Messiah, the one you've been waiting for. You have me mixed up with someone, something else. Can you imagine the hurt and distress and confusion on Peter's face? Yeah, listening is tough sometimes. But God says, listen to him. So what is Jesus saying? Well, first, I have to wonder if maybe Jesus isn't actually yelling at Peter when he says, get behind me, Satan. Now remember for Mark, another word for Satan is the deceiver. And in last week's gospel lesson, there was reference to the 40 days of temptation in the wilderness. Maybe Jesus is yelling at the temptation that has been with him his whole life. Maybe this business of avoiding the cross that Peter thinks would be a really good idea is a real and terrifying and lifelong temptation for Jesus. I mean, imagine it. Jesus is surrounded by an adoring crowd that's begun to call him the Son of God, the Christ, the Messiah. I mean, maybe there is another way to be the Messiah, a way that won't require the sacrifice, the rejection, death. I mean, even Peter, his main man, tries to talk him out of it. Is it possible Jesus hears the voice of temptation when Peter speaks? Might this have been just a moment of Jesus' own spiritual battle? Yeah, I think that Jesus in this moment is confronted with the opportunity to turn from the way of God or staying true to living as God would have him live. But to whom will Jesus finally listen? To the crowds? To God? To Peter? Another story. Two friends were walking down a sidewalk in a busy street. It was lunchtime and people were hustling and bustling along the sidewalks and there were car honks and hurried engine noises that filled the air. In the middle of all this deafening noise, one friend stopped and said, hey, a cricket. What, the other asked? Yeah, a cricket, look, here. And she pulled aside some of the bushes that separated the sidewalk from the buildings. And sure enough, there in the shade was a cricket chirping away. Wow, the friend said, how did you hear that with all this noise and traffic? Oh, she said, it just matters what you learn to choose to listen to. Here, I'll show you something. And she reached into her pocket and she pulled a handful of coins, no nickels, quarters, dimes, and she dropped them on the sidewalk. And everyone who was rushing by stopped to listen. Learning to choose what and who to listen to. Jesus pushed through the deception of the earthly way of living, of being a Messiah that the world wanted, and chose to listen deeply to the God who had called him, claimed him, as beloved, as holy child. 
And in order for Jesus to love God with his whole self and to love others, he chose to listen for God's word in his life. And that enabled him to keep walking the path of commitment to God, a path he recognized would lead to death, but also new life. Again and again, like Jesus, we are called to listen. So Jesus pushes through the world's deception and begins to instruct the disciples and those gathered around what a cross-shaped life looks like and how it is that life is the life that God would have him, have them, have us lead. You know, when we talk about the cross, we often talk about Jesus dying for our sins. But as I shared with you before, I believe we need to reframe what the cross represents. For I don't believe Jesus is choosing death at this moment or that he was eager to suffer. No, I think what he does is he chooses to trust God with his very last breath. Jesus chooses love, loses his life in love. And in so doing, he will pay the price of that choice with his life. Now, there were all kinds of resistance moments, movements around in Jesus's day to the Roman occupation. Yeah, his followers could fight alongside him. They might even win. That's what many of his followers were thinking would happen. God would be on their side, right? No talk of death needed here. Just unleash the God of power and might and let's be done with it. The cross, you see, those followers knew it was an instrument of torture and humiliation that the Romans used to smash resistance. No need for crosses here. But rather than choose to act as those around him wanted him to, Jesus chooses to act as God would have him act. He keeps himself on the path of love, listening intently to God's call. And through grace, the same grace which works in you and me, Jesus keeps his eyes focused on God and on who God has created him to be, someone completely in love and in full union with God. Jesus didn't come to die for our sins, as we often put it. He came that we might know the depth of God's love, a love that can heal our wounds, bind up our broken hearts, and set our lives free from all that would keep us from a truly abundant life. Jesus came that we might listen and believe that God longs for life abundant for all God's people. Jesus doesn't choose suffering for suffering's sake. That's not the point of the cross. No, Jesus chose love and because of that, suffers. The cross becomes then the ultimate expression of love for God, for us, for all creation. To be abundantly fruitful means coming to know that it's only love that will transform our hearts and minds from focusing on the things of the world. Because the God revealed in Jesus shows up always in the broken places of our lives. In Jesus and the cross, we discover not the God we may want, but the God we desperately need. The God we meet in Jesus comes for those broken in body, mind, or spirit to be one with us and for us. And then through love to invite us to participate in transforming the surrounding brokenness of injustice and oppression, of hunger and disease, of heartache and sorrow. That is what Jesus wanted the disciples to hear. That is what God wanted the disciples to listen to. The cross is the ultimate sign of brokenness, of the world's rejection of love. And yet it is, in the end, the place to which God will still go to heal us and to offer us new life. Listen to him. Maybe the remaining weeks of Lent, you might want to find a small cross to carry with you. You know, we've given them out at church before, or maybe you have one on a chain or can make a small one out of even twigs and sticks and put it in your pocket. That way, when the world threatens to deceive, when power and privilege threaten to close our ears to the cries of the poor and the marginalized, when we want to dismiss another's request or run from hard truths, we might touch the cross and be reminded to stop the sidetracks going on in our head and focus, listening for the call of God's love in our lives, recalling what it has done for us, 
and what it invites us to do for others. Opportunities for taking up the cross are daily before us. Times when we may give our lives sacrificially to acts of love, compassion, justice, and peace. Even in the face of the same imperial forces of sin and death that confronted Jesus. But maybe if we hold on to a small cross, taking it up as we move about the world of home and family, work and commerce, service and play, we might remember to whom we choose to listen. And then maybe we'll be able to hear the cricket amidst the noise of the world. Again and again, we're called to listen. May God make it so. In the season, we affirm our faith again and again as we seek to listen to God's voice and follow Christ in our daily lives. Please join us in an affirmation of faith. We believe. Sometimes our belief is confident, like a child on a dance floor, unashamed and wildly genuine. We believe. Sometimes our belief is distant, flickering and calling to us like a lighthouse on the sea. We believe. Sometimes our belief shows up as passion, guiding the way we vote, shop, give, live, trust, and hope. We believe. Sometimes our belief is like a shadow, faith stitched to our heels, unmovable, unlosable, a gift for winding journeys. We believe. Sometimes our belief exists like growing pains. We step forward, we fall back, but again and again, Jesus invites us to listen, to grow, and to take another step. So again and again, we speak these truths out loud. We believe. We believe. Again, again and again, again we, we believe. believe. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. Amen. Let us pray. God of challenge, on our Lenten journey you place before us choices. Will we take up the cross or will we choose an easier way? Will we follow Jesus or will we be ashamed of him? Will we set our minds on divine things or on the ways of this broken world? Strengthen us, O God, to continue in your way, even during this time of quarantine and fear. We believe that you love us and that you call us to a better way. And so open us during this holy season so that we may hear your voice and turn back to you and repair what is shattered. Open our eyes to the needs of others, O God of justice, and prompt us to consider the ways that our plenty could help meet their want. You place before us the choices of generosity or selfishness. Transform our fear of scarcity into a trust in your abundance so that we may share your blessings with others. Guide our leaders to seek solutions to our nation's problems and to consider the needs of all of your children. Ease the suffering of those who live under oppressive regimes or who are affected by natural disasters around the world. We pray for your holy church, O God. Fill it with truth and peace. Where it is corrupt, purify it. Where it is in error, direct it. Where in anything it is amiss, reform it. Where it is right, strengthen it. Where it is in want, provide for it. And where it is divided, O God, reunite it. Encourage our leaders, especially our Bishop Grant and our Superintendent Jim. We join our prayers today with those lifted across the district for the Renew Mission in South Pasadena and for First United Methodist Church in Burbank. And, O God, we pray for our own congregation 
as we enter into this time of pastoral transition. Open our hearts to the new pastor that you will send us, even as we must wish Godspeed to our sister Sandy. Again and again we are surrounded by the pain of this world, O God, and so we place into your loving embrace all those who suffer this day in body, mind, or spirit. The many persons and situations that are found in today's prayer list, but also those needs that are known only to you. We continue to pray for the Websters, Deb, Gary, and Lynn, as they continue to cope with Gary's cancer diagnosis. Comfort all who mourn, especially Cassie and Zoe Henry, young twins who this week lost their parents. We pray that your peace may be felt by all who are affected by the continuing pandemic, the sick and the dead, the lost and the discouraged, the exhausted and the depleted. Be our strength, O God of hope, as we watch for light amid the darkness of this health crisis. We believe that you hear our prayers, O God, and so it is with confidence that we place all of these things before you, and then join our voices in recalling the words that our Savior Christ taught to disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for joining in this time of worship from First United Methodist Church in Pasadena, California. As always, I invite you to take a moment to download today's bulletin. You can find a link to it in the video description. In the bulletin, you will find details about ways to prepare to participate in Holy Week, various group meetings, and supplies that are needed by our Tuesday Social Service Ministry and by our partners at Friends Indeed. Please check it all out in today's bulletin. We will continue using this YouTube channel for our weekly services as well as for special concerts and events as we approach Holy Week and Easter. Be sure that you have subscribed so that you may receive free notifications of all of our future events. Connect at fumc.org is the email to use when you need to communicate directly with the clergy. Send us your comments, prayer requests, or anything else we can help you with. Remember to use the online giving website for your tithes and offerings. There's a link in the video description, or simply look for the donate link at the church's website. You are, of course, always welcome to use the U.S. Postal Service, and that address is on the screen right now. Be well this week, stay safe, and remember to wear your mask.
receive the benediction. God calls us to set aside ourselves and to shoulder a cross, showering us with love and mercy, even when we do nothing to deserve those gifts. Yes, God always acts in ways which surprise us, in hospital rooms where we wait in anxious expectation, in classrooms where we chew on pencils while, ta while taking tests, in this unholy mess we call life. God always calls us to faithfulness and trust. So in the warmth of spring's approach, listen for God's voice. In the moonlight of winter's last light, look for God's face. In the silence of a child sleeping, breathe in God's grace. And in the presence of loved ones, trust in God's steadfastness. For God is always speaking to us, even in the ordinary moments of life. Thanks be to God for a love like that. Amen. Good morning. I'm Kevin Lucier of the Church's Staff Paris Relations Committee. And on behalf of the committee and chairperson Darla Dyson, I read to you this morning a letter from our district superintendent, James R. Powell. Dear congregation of Pasadena First UMC, grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In times like this, we lean on the Lord's love and understanding more and more each day. I am writing to you as our district superintendent to share with you the next step in your pastoral leadership. God often calls us to serve in new places and then prepares the way. As United Methodist pastors, we serve under the authority of the bishop and cabinet for the greater good of the body of Jesus Christ. We are praying for Pastor Sandy as she moves on to be the South District Superintendent. After consultation with the appointive cabinet, Bishop Grant Hagia has discerned a new pastor for the Pasadena First United Methodist Church. She is Reverend Amy Aitken. Her new appointment to the Pasadena First UMC is beginning on July 1, 2021. Pastor Amy has a great commitment towards growing others through discipleship, worship, and social holiness in and outside the church. She has extensive experience with developing new ministries with all persons and all generations. She has grown churches with a diversity of people. Please keep Amy, Mark, and their daughter, Nikki, in your prayers as they make this journey together. The cabinet will work with you to continue the important ministry at Pasadena First United Methodist Church. I will be continuing to work with your church's staff Paris relations committee through this time of change. And we trust that God will continue to bless the community you serve during these days of social distancing and dis-ease. God is still in charge. In Christ's service together, Reverend James R. Powell, North District Superintendent. On behalf of the Staff Parish Relations Committee, we want you to know that we have met with Reverend Aitken and we are all excited and optimistic about the future of the church under her stewardship. Um, as, uh, as you probably know, in the United Methodist Church, a church has one senior pastor at a time. Reverend Sandy is our senior pastor and will continue to be until July 1st. Uh, we ask that even though you may be tempted not to reach out and uh, communicate to Reverend Aitken until her appointment uh, becomes uh, official on July 1. If there are communications that you wish to uh, get to Reverend Aitken, we ask that all communications be through the SPRC chair, Darla Dyson. Thank you and have a great day.